On today's episode of Taylor Made, we'll be going over episodes 13 through 15 of season one of Friday Night Lights, of course. And to get you refreshed on all the happenings in Dillon, Texas, it is time for the two-minute drill, starting with episode 13, Little Girl, I Want to Marry You. The episode opens with Coach Eric Taylor trying to convince Tammy and Julie to switch the radio station from self-help expert Dr. Q to the sports talk station that bashes him in any given opportunity. The girls win, but Eric takes Dr. Q's advice of controlling your death destiny and applies it to his team as the Panthers await an important game against South Pines to secure their playoff spot. Meanwhile, Smash's mother finds his steroids, which forces Eric Taylor to bench Smash until he gets clean and keeps everyone, including Buddy Garrity of all people, in the dark about the situation. Buddy has other big plans in the works, however, as he tries to get Lila to get to know a family friend and tells Jason later in the episode he doesn't want him to be his daughter's future. Naturally, Jason asks Lila to marry him. Then, in episode 14, upping the ante. Julie is not a fan of Matt Saracen's small-town fame and quarterback responsibilities like going on the radio, so she befriends Tyra, who joins her when Matt asks her to watch his grandmother. Things get worse for Maddie Magic when he gets caught in a lie after participating in a risque calendar photo shoot with other underage high school students that Tim Riggins claims, I guess, is for charity. Tim has a lot going on for himself, though, in this episode as he reunites with his estranged father. Things seem to be going well until he and his father make a bet while golfing. If Tim wins, his dad actually has to come to one of his games because he's not super present, and he super tries to avoid doing this and actually wins, although he ultimately ends up attending the game. Smash Williams, by the way, is getting clean and is told he'll get to play in the playoffs, so things are looking up for our boy Smash. In episode 15, Blinders. Playoffs are underway, but controversy has struck Dylan. Panthers offensive coordinator Mac McGill makes racially insensitive comments toward black and white football players and does not handle the aftermath well at all. After Smash tries to talk with Mac about it in a calm manner, McGill basically tells him to pound sand, so Smash organizes a silent protest of the team with the other African-American players, and this uh, just creates a lot of uh, drama that we will discuss in the coming uh, hour, so we appreciate you guys once again for tuning in. Um, TaylorMade is available on all major podcast platforms if you want to give us a review on apple Podcasts, a five-star review would be amazing and tell us how we're doing we would very much appreciate that but without further ado here is coach taylor and matt saris you're gonna be able to call the play yes sir 22 rocket on hit 22 22 rocket. i can't hear you 22 i can't 20. hear you 22 22 this rocket. Be your qb1 of the dylan panthers your teammates, if they can hear you, they will believe in you. Now you let it out until it hurts. You understand me? 22! 22 rocket! Hit it, hit it! What's your name? Matt Saracen! What's your play? 2 one Who do you play for, Saracen? Jalapeno! How much do you want this? How much do you want this? I want it! Then take it! Uh, uh. Oops, 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 I'm cutting up. I'm cutting up. I'm cutting up. I'm cutting up. It is time to pull up a folding chair, turn on the projector, and go over the game film. It is time for four downs. Spencer, we finally get into uh, a little bit of closure with this whole smash William steroids narrative which is just comes to about the conclusion or I guess the revelation is just about what you would expect that a high school kid is really bad 
at hiding his drugs from his mother. Really, really bad. Uh, what, what was it, like in his trash bin or something? Or, you know, underneath his bed? I mean, uh, guys, you got to know out there, if we have any teenagers listening, like your mom's cleaning your room, more, more, more likely than not. Uh, you're going to have to do a much better job of, of hiding your steroids than that. If you, I mean, if you're going to do drugs, which, I mean, I, I don't recommend doing drugs. You shouldn't do the drugs. But if you're going to do the drugs, maybe um, volunteer clean your room yeah don't have don't have mom do it it's yep. just kind of a seems yeah pretty pretty easy to avoid it, it's kind of like if you're uh you know if, if you're driving with an illegal substance in your car you shouldn't be speeding you know like you shouldn't be breaking two laws at once you shouldn't have steroids in your room and uh you know a messy area uh you're just you're just inviting trouble at that point yeah so not good for our boy smash and this is i mean this is such a I feel like kind of up and down. I mean, and I feel like it only goes up because we've seen quite a bit of just bad smash and him sucking. Um, so it's, you know, it starts off not so great in this three episode block and it really only gets better for, for smash. I would th- yep. say until, I mean, there's obviously in the storyline we'll talk about in a little bit, but I mean, as far as his football, um, as far as you know, what he does on the football field, it gets it gets a heck of a lot better. Yeah, I mean, he misses one game essentially for for the suspension for this issue. They won it anyway, and then uh, you know he gets to he gets to come back and he he unravels a little bit. Um, he ends up yelling at his mom. Well, he yells at his mom the first time, gets mad at her for confronting Coach Taylor about it, and then uh, he apologizes for that. And then I believe uh, you know. In the very next episode, he yells at her again, saying, you know, like, I can't slow down. I have to do this. I have to do that. And it's kind of like he's unraveling a little bit. But nothing else monumentally bad happens uh, to Smash in this episode. I mean, it, you know, it generally uh, it, it, it all works out for him, uh, works out for him in the end. And, yeah, by the end of episode 15, he's leading a racial, racially motivated protest. So, uh, yeah, I'm very... <sighs> tumultuous three episodes here for smash uh which is not abnormal no it, it seems like wherever there's i don't want to say trouble but just it seems to drama him quite a bit yeah drama drama is a good way to put it um it, it's funny though that to kind of tie into this whole smash williams narrative is eric taylor continues to be put in these pretty awful spots just because he's a guy, once again, that we've talked about so much about, you know, the code that he lives by and his his moral compass. And, I mean, once again, <laughs> Eric Taylor just kind of, you know, doing his best to kind of keep it all under wraps. Um, and, it, I mean, it, it, you know, obviously draws a lot of attention. Uh, he even has to have a press conference, which I don't really feel like we've seen him interact a lot with media other than, you know, at the beginning of the season when he's doing, like, the preseason stuff. Um, and then, like, you know, you see bits and pieces here and there, but um, you get this, like, press conference setting and such a strange thing for him. Um, we do get a great Buddy Garrity line out of all of this. Oh, it's perfect. The fact, the fact that Eric Taylor, you know, says, like, a, you tell, he, and he's not letting anyone know about the situation, which obviously it's it's not – I don't want to say it's a low point for Eric. It's just it's not a not a good look for our guy that he's having to basically lie for this kid, but he also d- doesn't want to get fired himself. But he you know tells Buddy Garrett you know it's an internal matter, and uh, Buddy says I am internal, which is just well, 
classic, buddy. That's not even the end of it. He says, I'm the most internal son of a bitch you've ever met in your life. <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, it's, what more do you want from that? Yeah, so, it's, and the whole town, obviously, is just, it's quite strange that this doesn't cause more of a stir, because why else would be he be held out? Um, or, I mean, I, I guess you wouldn't draw the conclusion that it obviously has to be steroids or anything like that, but it does feel like something that maybe would, you know, draw someone to, I guess, dig deeper. You'd assume and, it was academics, right? I mean, if you were, like, on the team or if you were at Dillon, yeah, I, I think you'd so. assume it was academic, academically related. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, would, I would, that's a probably, probably the best way to put it. I mean, because yeah. otherwise, you know... I, I feel like there's probably got to be someone because these Dylan reporters, the the sharks and Dylan, just really, you know, a tough time. Give give these coaches and players such a tough time. Man, um, really, I don't know if we'll talk about it later. But when Mac gets himself in trouble in episode 15, the, these reporters are, are really dressed to the nines. I mean, they, they look great. They're wearing a suit. I mean, or you would know. I mean, are, are high school football reporters uh, showing up like that? Listen, I don't want to throw shade in high school football reporters, but they uh, tend to not look like that. Um, I just, I think it's so funny. I mean, it's it's like they've got like the New York media. Just it, it feels like every time someone gets drafted to the Giants or uh, gets gets drafted to the Knicks, like oh, I don't know how he's going to de- deal with that New York media. Yeah, I just feel like the Dylan media. They they got nothing on them. Uh, but it's just such a not good situation for eric because we see more of that dynamic between him um and tammy of just him basically just like you know like i you know i can't i can't do it i can't like or like i i can't like i can't you know yeah report him and him, that back and forth between them and just it kind of gets to i feel like it's got to get to a point where sometime tammy's gonna be like you are um you are not the man i'm married i don't know it just it feels like he takes these as much as we, I'm not trying to paint Eric Taylor as a bad guy, and we all think of him as an amazing character, but he does deal like he does like a lot of stuff that's just kind of goes against his morals to yeah. keep his job. And I mean, it's probably you're probably looking at the the big picture here, and the fact that Smash isn't doing anything really to harm anyone. He's not doing it's obviously illegal, um, but at the same time, I think Eric the best as he can wants to handle this himself and obviously doesn't want to get any wins taken wins taken away but i mean he he wants to keep smash kind of under his wing as long as he can because otherwise smash could spiral um and it's one of those arguments that i think you can make for a lot of uh high school or college or really nfl teams that you know sometimes guys do really awful things and they'll stay in the program and as much as you know maybe people don't want to believe this but you know a lot of times just coaches give the answer that you know it's better for them to stay here and we can help them get through that situation than to throw them out on the street depends on how good they are right yeah tends to <laughs> tends to depend on how good they are but yeah at the same time I, I do think eric's heart's probably in the right place yeah sure um, but he, the, the i don't sometimes it just sometimes the means i'm not sure justify the end because yeah. i just i feel like uh for such a guy that talks about his his ethics and whatnot all the time, it, it does seem like he breaks them quite a bit. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I mean, we get this scene where 
Smash shows up in the middle of the night, or at least late at night, on Eric Taylor's doorstep, and is like, you know, are you going to report me? Are you going to let me play? Like, what's going on? And Coach basically tells him, you know, not sure yet, but just so you know, I have a family in there that depends on me, and if I do let you slide, I'm putting that in there, you know, our livelihood on the line. And it, you know, I think it, that kind of put things into perspective a little bit for Smash. It, I mean, it, the stakes weren't as high, but it reminded me just of how he put Coach Taylor on the spot the same way that Saracen did, uh, you know, in the first few episodes about are you going to start me or Voodoo um, in terms of just Coach Taylor gets put on the spot a lot by his players for, for various reasons. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's super complicated because it's, you know, is it a legalistic or, or is, is Coach Taylor's Morals in this case are they you know are they flexible are they you know is he you know is he legalistic and he, you know he's not legalistic in this case um, you know he decides to kind of bend you know not bend the rules but ignore them I guess um, in favor of keep, hopefully keeping Smash's life and football career on track for the future. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's the right call, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean. It, is did he do the right thing here? Um, I'm not really sure. I I I feel like he did probably because I think if kind of looking at through the lens that I I do think that Smash made a really bad mistake, and it really once like it's one of those things where like it really is. I don't know if it's overkill, but it just it makes sense. But like a lot of the times when stuff like this happens guys get suspended and like wins are sometimes vacated because like technically that one team one player had an advantage over everyone i don't think smash really did anything to really help i guess dylan um in the long run and so like i think i mean his first that first game is the one that comes to mind the most just he almost basically lost them the game because of steroids um and so i think kind of taking the law into his own hands um maybe was good because once again it it feels like smash is just very capable of spiraling at any point um and he he needs he needs eric taylor more than anything to to kind of be that guide for him and we get such a kind of a sweet moment between the two when uh, coach taylor goes to visit smash and you know they're playing football with the children and uh kind of corny but you yeah. know it's it, it's a it's a nb it's a network television show so what what, yeah. what can you do there what well, yeah uh, I, I i don't know i i feel, i feel like maybe i'm starting to, as i'm kind of talking through it kind of lean toward maybe it was the right thing to do to try to avoid sending this kid on a on a worse path because i mean who's to say like what happens to any of these other kids that we kind of see in this show that uh that get kicked off the team basically and don't have that guidance anymore. And I do think that Eric does genuinely care for smash. Um, not that just, he's good at football. I, I do. I just think that, you know, yeah, Eric Taylor is just that kind of person. Yeah. And you, I mean, you see that throughout the show though, as well, yep. how much he cares about smash. Yeah. And we get the, the, yeah, that great scene that you're talking about, um, you know, where they, you know, right before they go end up playing football with the kids where smash is basically like, look, I mean, I know that, you know, you don't have to like me and I, I you know, I'm okay with that. And, you know, I'll just, I'll do my own thing or whatever. And, you know, he's kind of trying to let coach Taylor off the hook. 
And you know, Taylor's like, "Look, if you want to, that's not that's not what football's about. If you want to fly solo, you go run track, which is kind of a funny, uh, funny line. Maybe if I, you know, maybe offensive to people who who run track. I don't know if, if uh, I'm sure there's an argument to be, argument to be made that it's somewhat of a team sport. Maybe not. I don't know. I've never run track, but um, yeah, I thought that was a great line and just even you know." the sentiment of it is, you know, like, you know, we're still a team here. And if you're with me, then you're with me. Um, and then, yeah, we get the, they end up going to play backyard football, essentially. And what, what was the kid's name? Uh, Miles Shepard, Miles Shepard, class of 2014. Miles, I, I remembered it. Uh, class of 2014, which made me feel old. Guess that kid's in college now. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a good, good conclusion that pretty much ends that storyline, I think, right? There's nothing else after that? Pretty much puts a bow on it. I mean... Smash has bigger things to tackle now. It's such a ridiculous storyline. I mean... I mean, I, yeah. I, I told... I talked about it last, ep- last week. I thought it was the worst... I think it's the worst storyline in the entire series run. Worse than season two? Worse than anything in season two. Wow. I do want to say one thing that was kind of strange about that whole, I guess, Eric Taylor parenting smash was the scene where they're getting, you know, a meal at a diner. Oh, yeah. Coach Taylor just points out, like, see that guy right there? He was number six on Grady Hunt's top 100 list. Look at him now. And I'm just like, really? Like, (laughs) it felt so, like, okay, we get it. Like, we get, like, it just... I feel like there was maybe a different way. It just felt like way too not cheap. I don't know if cheesy is the right word. It just felt like the, it just felt too. Uh, it felt too on the nose, I guess. What if everything that was happening? I'm gonna throw something at you here. Oh no! Do you think he's telling the truth, or do you think he just saw a guy there? I really hope. And it was, it was like I'm just gonna try to like, like a scared straight moment here with Smash. I don't know. Yeah, it does feel like a. It feels like one of the. What's the? It's a wonderful life. It just feels like here's your future if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't change who you are. But like, I hope he's not lying. I hope he just didn't point out a random stranger. Like, hey, see that guy right there? He was all state back in 1998. Look at him now. He's flipping burgers. What a loser. Wouldn't smash. At I mean, at the same time, like you know, there's not. There's no shame. And having a, you know, working in food like that, Eric Taylor, but just, I just, it felt so, it just, it felt, it felt unnecessary, I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's, there's a lot, yeah, a lot to unpack there in terms of, yeah, he's kind of shaming him for working at, was it the Alamo Freeze? I don't know, I don't know where they were eating. Um, the, are there more than two restaurants in Dillon? I feel like there's only the Alamo Freeze in the diner. Uh, there's a Applebee's. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. We're Tyra, yeah, we're wherever Tyra. Um, well, and we've got the strip club too, where uh, where Buddy Garrity frequents, and where Tyra's sister works. So. Yeah, which honestly, as I, we kind of get more into more, uh, I guess Buddy Garrity's new little storyline. Um, it maybe makes sense. Oh gosh. Uh, all things considered, but um, we can uh talk about that during the third down segment or we can just skip well right now. it's gonna be uh i mean no so yeah second down here is um talking about street and lila and quad rugby in this kind of triangle here 
um, between between those two characters and then what Jason is sort of obsessed with now, now that he you know he can't play football anymore. He's, he's kind of turned his attention to quad rugby. He sees his future in quad rugby, just how he saw his future in football before the accident. And uh, Lyra's not quite as enthusiastic about that, uh, but that, that's getting a little bit ahead there. Um, I mean, really, so I, I think, you know, this whole storyline, if we, if we back it all the way up to the beginning of episode 13, um, Buddy sets Lila up on a date, essentially, uh, disguised as some kind of a tutoring session. Um, and it's not a tutoring session, Spencer. What was it? Was it? A college student writing a paper about the psychology of like the high school kids uh, or something like that. It's worse. I, th- I mean, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the the fake reason was, um, Buddy sets Lyra up on this date. Jason and Herc kind of go stalk the date. Um, they get kind hundred percent. Well, <laughs> they don't show up. You know, they just they just do a little drive by. That's all. Just a little drive by. It's still creepy, and I think we should, if we're going to shame Tim and Lila for all the stuff that they do, we should shame Jason for this. I'm willing to cut Jason a little bit of slack. He's finally mobile enough to be creepy like the other people here in the show. So he, you know, he's only done it once, but, um, yeah, kind of, I mean, you know, Buddy, turns out, looking out for his daughter, um, and Jason eventually confronts Buddy about, about the date and buddy is very frank and honest about you know why he's trying to steer lila away from jason um and he he gives this great quote here and you know the crux of it is she'll follow you into hell are you sure you want to lead her there this might be the most overdramatic part of buddy garrity just the fact that he can't stand the idea of his daughter marrying a boy that loves her who she's put through hell um herself yeah uh, because of what she's done in the past but i mean it just it's not surprising it does feel very i don't i don't want to say like a old school mindset but that's i guess i mean buddy's just an old yeah he's just like you know how are you gonna how are you gonna pay for everything how are you gonna you know support a family how you know Quad rugby is just a hobby and yeah. stuff like that. But I mean, it's. I really like your Buddy Garrity voice, by the way. I appreciate it. I, I've been working on it for ten years now. I feel like, um, but it's it's awful on a, on a lot of levels. Just the fact that Buddy can't, you know, it, can't seem to accept that you know people in wheelchairs can do like can still have, you know things like they're not like jason's not brain dead or he's not he's fully like mentally there yeah and obviously there's a lot of physical limitations to him uh it's just it's probably i mean there's a lot of i don't want to say that buddy's continually you know doing great things but you kind of get into the i don't want to i don't know grosser side of buddy is maybe too harsh but it's not a good i mean it's a A little bit more manipulative right What's that? A little bit more manipulative. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just feel like it's just, it, it's, it's not fair to Jason to just be kind of casted aside. I mean, he's still a kid, and I understand that maybe you know that maybe marriage, and um, to jump ahead, obviously, like in this episode block, Jason ends up proposing to yes. Lila. Yes. Yep. Um, 
Did a pretty good job, by the way, for an 18-year-old. Not bad. Yeah. Did he do it? So here's my question with this. He proposes to her on her front porch, right? Yes. And somehow they, they get away from with that with her parents not knowing until things explode the next day. Or however far into the future this next conversation is. Yeah, I don't know how, like, or why they keep that or how they keep that away from them and obviously like, it's not like Jason had a ring picked out he's not like you know she's not like walking around with a ring because I think they like he says at the family meal that they went that morning to go yeah. pick out rings or yeah. go pick out a ring but I just I, I do feel like Jason has so much to offer and it's not, I mean, it's it's a deal where like I, I, I just don't get where I guess it shows the thing that I think that probably irks me the most about this whole thing is that once you're useless to Buddy Garrity, he does not tend to care for you. And I know he says in this episode block that, you know, like, I still love Jason like a son, but like, I don't, I don't feel that. Like, I I do feel like Buddy is, you know, he gets what he wants out of people and as long as they're providing him, you know, good things like Eric Taylor does and like Matt Saracen does ever so often but uh jason taylor doesn't provide a whole lot to him he doesn't think he's going to provide a whole lot to his daughter he i mean yeah he completely contradicts himself when you know they're they're in that backyard arguing and the lawsuit comes up and he's like yeah you're suing my coach and my team and he doesn't have the wherewithal to realize that the man in front of him was paralyzed fighting for his team you know like uh, like that team literally took his legs away. Yeah, so not a whole lot of awareness there. Um, and yeah, I mean, just the yeah, I mean, Buddy kind of poking at the idea that you know quad rugby is is, is a hobby, um, and it really stings Jason because you know it's. I guess yeah, I mean, Buddy's definition is if you can make a living doing it, it's it's not a hobby. You know, it's potentially a profession, but if you can't make a living doing it, it's a hobby. Which, again, like I said earlier, Jason is looking at quad rugby as this way to channel his energy now that he can't play football anymore. He'll never be able to walk again, but he can still do, you know, he can still play quad rugby. And it's not, um, you know, it's, it, it's a, an escapism for him. Um, and, you know, before football for him was looked, was looked at like a way of life, like he could go to the NFL and make millions of dollars. And his replacement for football, he can't do that. And so I think that's why, you know, he ends up, you know, he gets into this fight and then just very dramatically tells Lila's parents that they're engaged. And, uh, you know, Lila's not thrilled about that. Yeah, which, I mean, at the same time, did they not, did they talk about this? Like, did they, you know, kind of come to an agreement that, like, hey, we're not going to tell the parents for a while? Yeah, it was kind of murky, but I I think it was implied that at least, you know, they were going to, Wait, or, you know, maybe they were going to tell them that day, but Jason did it in a bad way. Yeah, <laughs> he did it in the fight. Yeah, he did it in the middle of a shouting match, and not, you a lot know, of shouting matches. A lot of, I mean, yeah, a lot of lot of drama on the show, Joe. You know, that's that's kind of for an NBC drama. It's quite kinda, a bit of drama. Yeah, you know, like quite quite a bit of drama here. Um, I'm just saying, uh, a lot of shouting matches. Yeah, um, but yeah. And, I mean, it's so strange how, I don't know, like, 
it, I guess this is just probably the flow of the show, but I mean, Lila's at the center of this, and it's kind of like a tug of war between Jason and Buddy Garrity over over Lila, and but it doesn't feel like Lila is maybe shown as much as as much as she's involved. It doesn't feel like a very uh, doesn't feel like she has a strong like visible visible um, presence. Yeah, we don't this. we don't get her. We haven't gotten her point of view in a while. The, you know, the show's been from. It was much more from Tyra's point of view than it was from Lila's in this this episode block. Um, yeah, and even more so from Buddy, are, like between those two. Yeah, and we also we get you know a little bit from Buddy's point of view as well um, when you know he he has the audacity to ask Coach Taylor to tell Jason not to marry his daughter, literally at the lawsuit where Jason's family is suing Coach Taylor. It's a it's a risky move, Cotton. It's it's um, a, yeah, it's a, it's a bold strategy. I mean, I, I, is there anybody else who could have done this? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's crazy. Um, there's another moment like this in this episode where, um, and we'll get into it. I think third down, but where uh, Buddy or not? Uh, sorry. Tyra wants Riggins to beg Buddy to let Tyra's mom have a job interview. And it's like, Tyra just made the entire, or uh, Riggins just made the entire school hate Lila for like a month. And Buddy knows about that. And Tyra picked Riggins to go talk to Buddy on Tyra's mom's behalf. It's, it's crazy. I, I don't understand. For Again, all the horses to bet on, that was not the, maybe her best pick. I mean, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. I mean, well, I don't know if it pays off if Buddy doesn't, uh, you know, take a liking to, to Tyra's mother. Um, oh, God. But it seems to, and like what I was kind of talking about earlier is just like the fact that we learned that Tyra's sister, one of her best customers, is Buddy Garrity. Yeah, a little foreshadowing there, huh? And like makes you think like, that's interesting. Yeah. And then Buddy's like, well, I, uh, you know... I go to the strip club and I get lap dances all the time from your daughter. Might as well just. Oh have gosh. You. Does you think he knows? You think he re- you think he realizes? You think he realizes that like they're related? Yeah. I would assume that everyone in that town knows who everyone's like lineage and. Well, he was just so is. surprised to like he had never seen Tyra's mom before. Yeah, he probably. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I don't know. She's, I mean, for not to say that like nothing bad toward you know the the Colettes, but I mean they're it. We definitely get this picture painted that they're in a different class than the Garrities, and I would assume that Buddy's social circle does not intersect too much yeah. with uh, Tyra's mother. Um, and so that's kind of probably why he doesn't know her too well. Yeah. I would assume, though, that like once it kind of all clicks, that if you knew that that was the mother of a uh, stripper that you see pretty often, you would probably make that connection. Yeah. Um, I do want to know because like she goes in for not an interview; it's just literally like a two-minute conversation. Well, it was supposed to be an interview, right? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, like Tyra's like, did you uh, talk about? job benefits and you know pay and she's like nope never really came up and just like um that seems like maybe something that should have been discussed 
in your job interview is just getting the details and uh, I would love to know what uh, Buddy Garrity's conversation was like um, with her was it just like so uh, who's your daughter again (laughs) that was probably the end of the conversation just based on what we know Um, but it's just it's it's a very I mean we I, I don't think anyone would maybe say that Buddy Garrity is you know uh, the greatest human, but yeah. it really is just like it's like sleazeball move after sleazeball move yeah. from from our guy buddy. Yeah, not not what you want. Um, there's just, I mean, we'll get into LVP later, but buddy, buddy's certainly a candidate for this episode. Um, we're still, on, I believe, we're still still here on second down uh, with. Just the situation between Lila and and Street and um, and this quad rugby kind of tug of war. Um, base, you know, they kind of get into a fight about you know we're going to college or you're not going to college. But you know, what are we doing? And so Jason, you know, eventually tries to go back to school, um, and it, you know, it's it doesn't work out super well, and it also coincides with him getting this invitation to, um, you know, the quad rugby nationals training camp in Austin. And Jason is just going full on into this quad rugby thing. Now, uh, after his was not able to successfully, uh, dissect a frog in science class, um, kind of pulls a one eighty. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he has more challenges than most, but, um, oh, I just mean in general. Yeah. Um, <laughs> were, you, were, you, were you bad at, at dissection day? Is that a, I, a strike a chord? I was going to ask you because <laughs> you went to like an actual school. Uh, what? But, you went to a, You went to an actual school? Yeah, it was different. It was different, Spencer. Um, <laughs> I always thought like dissecting a frog was such a TV cliche. Just like, oh, it's, you know... Frog dissection day. Was that something you yeah. guys did, though? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well. Um, it is a TV cliche, but it actually, yeah, at Jinx High School, it, yeah, yeah, it actually happens, yeah. Well, I uh, was not. I never partook in one. I feel like there was other animals that they dissected at one point. Nope. But definitely a frog. Um, I don't remember anything. I can't, I, I couldn't pinpoint or couldn't come up with the other animals, but I, I remember it very well because the whole like that whole hallway where all the science teachers were that whole week just smelled terrible. Uh, it's something that sticks with you. But so yeah, Jason has his struggles with that. Him and Lila are still in a fight. Um, Coach Taylor kind of tried to talk him out of it halfway uh, right before the lawsuit. Are you, were you surprised? I, I feel like in real life, Jason would not have gone back to school until after the lawsuit was settled, right? No, I, I mean, I feel like he would have to be back in school unless he's just dropped out completely. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think in that situation, you would have, you would be given as much time as you wanted. Um, Probably so. I also would think that if you're suing the school and suing the you know Dylan High School I would assume that maybe you'd want to transfer that's what I'm saying yeah like I don't think you can sue the school you can't sue a school and then also like from the parents point of view like you're still letting like you're trying to say that the school is negligent in x number of ways but you're still sending your kid there 
is kind of a, a contradiction, I feel like. They might just not have a choice. I mean, I don't know how it works in this fictitious Texas world, but... I mean, I don't know if there's just not a school close enough for him to like, yeah, for his parents to take him to, or because um, I'm sure he could transfer out, but they obviously, from what we know, they definitely don't have the money for private school. Yeah, um, if there is a private school in the area, maybe um, homeschool. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I but you could also like he probably could just skip the fall semester and come back in the spring after the lawsuit's over. I don't know. He's got he's got all his credits according to Tammy. Just a just a, a real world wrinkle here that yeah that thing from Tammy was like you can come back anytime. It's like can he? I mean I, I mean I don't know how that works. Um, I mean I don't know if like football players like in tech, like this fictitious high school football world like kind of like college like take classes in the summer so they can have lighter quote unquote lighter loads during the football season. Yeah. What? So may, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I feel like in high school it's pretty even. I mean, you have a little bit of maneuverability, but this is this feels like a very like in the weeds conversation. We're very, in, very inside baseball here. Uh, these are the kinds of things that pop into my head as I'm writing notes. Here is like that probably wouldn't happen in real life, but um, that I guess. I mean, it's, it's not the end of. Uh, is it the end of Street Lila and Quad Rugby for now? I don't think episode 15 touches too much on it. Really, episode 15, there's not a whole lot going on. Other it's than... Kind of off podcast, like, there's not a whole lot. Yeah, it's, it's really... Episode 15 is really heavy on the racism plot and the um, um, the Powder Puff game. I, I do think Jason... I, I believe episode 15 is where Jason tells Lila that he is gonna, just going to get his GED um, and is not really planning on finishing high school. The elitists in this town are not happy about. No, uh, Lila is like your GED. She said it like it was, I don't know, like very much below a high school diploma is what Lila, <laughs> Lila was it's essentially just, implying. It's just like Lila takes him down to the, to the Alamo Freeze. Like, look at that guy right there. Yeah, he was the Western. <laughs> he he got his GED too. <laughs> Constantly is like he, like that kid constantly is being picked on by like people in the town to like hey you don't want to end up like him yeah um, third down we got Tyra and her mom uh, the last block is when Tyra's mom essentially dumped Bob um, because he hit her you know what you know tip, it's the ideal move is, is to dump the guy uh, she did it but she tries to kind of get back with she isn't actually i don't know if she ever contacts bob um but she's like trying to warm tyra up to the idea i think she says was life so bad with bob or something like that and tyra's just like he literally hit you and you know tyra's mom's making what's tyra's mom's name i'm i've kind of only been calling her tyra's i know that's what yeah i'm tired of calling her tyra's mom but i guess um I guess that's just what we're going to do for right now. Um, Miss Colette. Miss Colette. Uh, yeah. Just wants to go back with Bob, whatever, yada, yada. Um, Angela. Angela Colette. Angela. Angela wants to get back with Bob. Tyra's like, no, I'm going to get your job. Tyra goes to Riggins. Riggins goes to Buddy. Gets her an interview. They're driving to the interview. They have this flat tire. Or tire. <laughs> Tyra gets a flat tire. Uh, and then Angela wants to call Bob to fix the tire. And Tyra has this very epic 
monologue where like I am afraid of becoming you and if we don't change this flat tire right here by ourselves we are screwed forever a little hyperbolic but I'm um, yeah it, it it needs to be said say what you will about Buddy Garrity and his sleaziness but I think I'd rather Angela be with Buddy Garrity in this weird affair than to get back with Bob it's a better situation I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm the kind of the more I think about it, I'm like, I guess I'd much rather her be with Buddy Garrity than go back to, to Bob because he was awful. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal because she is kind of being exploited here. Um, and she seems to be okay with that, I guess. We don't really know. Yeah, and I mean, the, the reason she, the, I, I do feel like, I mean, she knows that like Bob is bad, but at the same time, she's just thinking like about like how I'm gonna, how am I going to provide for my family? Yeah, I mean, she was kind of being exploited before. It's just in a different way now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we get Tyra. You know, they have the flat tire. I guess they eventually fix it. They show up to Buddy's car dealership just in time for this big party uh, after Dylan's win. After. Uh, Slot 28 guns. No, wait, that was after. It was after Saracen uh, through the slant and between the safeties, I believe, to to uh, to win the the game right before the playoffs. Yeah, the whole plot line about like Matt Saracen like found like a key hole in the defense. It's crazy. And like obviously, like Coach Taylor and Mac, like they have a good reason. Like it's just like why that might not work, because um, I'm sure they thought about it as well. But like, yeah, it just felt like the like. It just feels like all the time, like, Coach Taylor, like, kind of gets in the way of people helping him. Yeah. Um, he, I don't know. It, and it does feel like Matt truly, like, is, you know, good yeah. like, at what he does as far as just being a quarterback. And for, like, I don't know if it's just, like, the whole situation around Smash and everything that's going on. But, like, for Eric to kind of shut him down when he's, like, trying to say, like, hey, Coach, I found this on tape. Like, I don't know why Eric Taylor can't just be like, hey, no, yeah, that's a good thought, but, like, these DBs, like, yeah. you know, they're the fastest in the state. Like, yeah. why shouldn't that have been said right there? Yeah. None of it really made sense, you know, even down to the verbiage of there's an ocean of space between the safeties and the other receivers. Like, that doesn't really mean anything. Um, I mean, the idea that, you know, there's a vacated linebacker makes sense and that there's space in the middle of the field, but just the way that, the script was written doesn't really make sense. Um, But, you know, Coach Taylor kind of dismisses him at first, and then when you get down to fourth and eight, the most important play of the game, it works, um, and they win. And that's all that really matters. I did think it was kind of funny. Uh, Another bad football logic candidate here. You got third and one. You run an outside draw play. You lose seven yards. You're back in your own territory in a tie game with seven minutes left, and you go for it on fourth and eight. Yes, 100%. It's not. I think, I think it, you know, it really needed to be a stuffed at the line situation, I think, for it to make sense. I think fourth and two, you could sell me on going for it there. But I don't is Coach Taylor good at his job? Which job is that? Head <laughs> football coach. Play caller? I mean, look, it worked. So, yeah. Yeah, it worked. Oh, yeah, he was down to, like, his. they were down to fourth and eight, and he's like, I got nothing. Yeah. Hey, Matt, remember that one thing you were telling me the other day that I completely dismissed? Tell me again. Remind me what you were saying. Oh, yeah, that was stupid, but you can try it if you want to. On f- the most important, p- more, most important play of the game. 
Uh, yeah, I know our playoff lives are on the line right now. Yeah. But, hey, buddy, um, if you really want to go for it, you should go for well, it. Well, and that's that's the thing is it's a zero-zero game. You punt it away. Trust your defense to get the ball back for you with like four minutes left. Uh, you know, play the play the field position one more time. Play the field position battle one more time, and then run the hero play. You know, with three minutes to go on second and six. You know, that's the way to do that. Not on not on fourth and eight in your own territory. But it worked it's out. The wrong message. It's the wrong message to be sending to your defense this late in the season. <laughs> where where are we here? Uh, Tyra. So yeah, they show up at the car dealership after the game winning play for the party. They're going to the playoffs. Rah rah. Buddy essentially blows off Tyra, saying, oh, I totally forgot that she even interviewed, and I already filled that position. And then Buddy sees Tyra's mom and is attracted to her in, in, in a couple different ways, I think. Yes, he's, uh, yeah. he thinks that, he thinks, I don't, I don't, I don't know what he's thinking. It, I mean, yeah, he doesn't verbalize it, but. I, it just—it's very clear on his face that like there's a lot more going on than hey she looks like she'd be good at filing paperwork. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot going through that head, and I really don't want to know the thoughts going through his head. Um, but you know, it's good for her, good for good old Angela to get that job, and uh, to not to to be as far away from Bob as possible. Um, so that, that those are good things. Yeah. But uh, shout out Tyra for throwing a Hail Mary and asking Tim Riggins, of all people, to hook that up. Doesn't she... Couldn't she just, like, made the same appeal to Lila? I don't think Lila... No. I, I feel like Lila would have been, like, you know, screw off, basically. Like, How about I hate Saracen? You. I don't... I mean... I, I guess like Tyra doesn't... Be, yeah, you're right. I don't know. She, I mean, I guess, like, I don't know if I, I'm trying to think about the timelines of this. Like, I guess she really can't go to Jason. Because, I, I mean, that's what, I mean, well, she kind of does. Yeah. Um, she, I mean, but when she talks to Lila and Jason at, at the restaurant or the diner and, you know, asks, inquires about the job. Um, and, you know, if, if there wasn't for this fight, I would imagine that she could just be like, hey, Jason, could you put in a good word for my mother? Um, and he probably would have done it because Jason's a good, upstanding young man. Um, yeah. But uh, a strange move to go with Tim there. Although, once again, Buddy Garrity loves Tim Riggins. No matter he can't like the, I know he caused so much pain for Lila, but he's still his fullback, and uh, Buddy's not gonna do him wrong. Although he does, in the middle of this whole exchange between him and Tim, uh, say what I'm thinking just the entire time that Matt Saracen's father is working for him um, and just takes a huge burn at Henry Saracen, <laughs> who, by the way, we, we probably should mention is gone at this point. Yeah, he left uh, at the beginning of the, yeah, episode 13. So, yeah. What was the, remind me of the burn? Um, he said Henry Saracen couldn't sell a, uh, it was a, I think it was like a life preserver to someone drowning. <laughs> Um, something to that effect. Uh, it's a tough beat. <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah, which most people who are drowning aren't really in the market for a life preserver. It's, you know, I don't know. Just it felt like a kind of a weird, old timey illogical saying. Just <laughs> yeah, he tried. 
he tried. Yeah. He, he, he made, Buddy Garrity loves making just really kind of weird jokes that yeah. don't make a whole lot of sense when you really sit down and think about them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Got my voodoo working. Um, yeah. I mean, we got, we got Tyra. Tyra's everywhere in this episode. Um, I love it. I love Tyra. Yeah, Tyra, this is definitely Tyra's strongest. Episodes 13 and 14 and a little bit of 15 are, are Tyra's strongest work of the series to date. I was very critical of her last week. Um, we but, should mention, before we move on to the next down, her relationship between her and Julie. Yes. And yes. So Tyra essentially takes Julie under her wing um, after Matt kind of starts to suck a little bit. But not. it's not really his fault. Matt gets ripped away for a TV for a radio interview at this restaurant, and then he literally gets abducted into a car by Riggins and leaves Julie stranded. Oh my God. The most cringy part of this entire block. <laughs> Just so cringy. No, no, it's no. You're talking about the uh, oh, the magazine shoot. Later. Yeah, that's there's there's Riggins abducts Matt Harrison twice in this block of episodes. Once when he's literally only wearing his underwear. And or no, sorry, that it wasn't Reagan's. It was the it was the girls. Yeah, it was the rally girls just walk into his house in his un- and pull him out of his house in his underwear. Um, That's gonna be a strange thing for Grandma Saracen. Like, what's going on? Like, if she seemed cool with it. Yeah, she was, she I, she was aware. I don't know, but so essentially, all of these things that happened to Matt that are like fifteen percent Matt's fault. Uh, result in Tyra taking Julie under under her wing, unbeknownst to Matt. And uh, it, we get this great scene where Tyra is literally telling Julie to play the field a little bit while she's giving Matt's grandma a pedicure. A very strange uh, thing, because it feels like Grandma Saracen is just like, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. Yep. kind of sucks. Yep. <laughs> Quarterbacks are terrible. You should really, you know, make him work harder for you, basically. Yeah. So, um, I, I do think the, the 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 strangest thing for me about, like, Tyra and Julie is just, like, not that they're similar, per se, but, like, it does make sense quite a bit. Like, I feel like Julie desperately wants to be, like, a rebel kid and, like, wants to defy her parents. And, like, Tyra's just the embodiment of that. Not yeah. that she really defies her family. She just doesn't. She's just very independent, you know, on her own. Um, but at the same time, it just it feels like Julie would love to be Tyra if she could. Yeah. Um, and so... Tyra's also, and, like, what, at least a foot taller than Julie? The, just the actresses? I was say, like, the other thing is just, like, <laughs> the fact that, like, it's, it's probably just because they're both blonde, but literally Julie at times looks like Tyra's little sister. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, a little bit. The height thing doesn't help. I mean, Tyra is just so much more like physically imposing. I feel like, you know, like she and I don't know if this is an acting choice or if it's just kind of the you know the respective actresses just their overall vibes. But um, Tyra just seems like much more comfortable in her own skin than than Julie ever does. Um, I don't know. It's just an observation of seeing those two interact for for kind of the first time here um but yeah it's kind of the this is the beginning of julie becoming a corrupted person before she was just kind of a smart aleck um and kind of rude but this is kind of the beginning of the end of innocent julie taylor 
I do feel bad for her in the whole wake of the whole Matt Saracen like calendar shoot thing. Yeah, Matt. That was the one thing that Matt like really screwed up is he should not have like. Obviously, Julie's going to find out about it. Like, it's literally a publicity stunt. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he didn't think that she'd find about it, find out about it the next day. But I don't know. That was that was a mistake. That's the uh, the Matt Harrison overthinking award there. Yeah, um, and I think part of it also is just the the fact that there's a lot going on here. Yeah, and I do want to say, like, not to defend Matt, but like. Who's buying a calendar with a 16-year-old in his underwear surrounded by other 16-year-olds? In their underwear or in bikinis. In their underwear. It's very just, creepy. I didn't think about it from that angle. But yeah, really any adult owning... It's basically a high school version of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit calendar. Yeah. Or not the calendar, you know, the swimsuit edition. Um, it's a very small town for sure. Like a small town kind of... Just like, this is what we got, boys. We got the calendar with the rally girls. And it just, it's its strange. No, yeah, no parental supervision or anything. Um, yeah, we're the, who's watching these children? Well, nobody, the, the, these rally girls are just going rogue and abducting these kids in their, in their underwear of their own homes while they're asleep. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I would assume there's probably some planning there, but... Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I, but once again, I, I just feel bad. I feel bad kind of on both sides. Um, yeah. But at the, at most of the time, like for, for the most part, uh, for the most part, I just, I, I, I do feel a lot of sympathy, I guess, for Julie, because it does suck. Like yeah. I mean, to be put in that situation. And then the whole flag football thing or the powder puff football thing isn't, isn't the best. Um, and so, and then she kind of, is good at football, I guess. Yeah. Strangely yeah. enough. Yeah. She, she was, yeah. Good. She can throw a little bit. She can read defenses and she can also. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah, she knows what a nickelback is, you know? Knows, you know, kind of how to. I barely know what a nickelback is, to be honest. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, her powder puff performance, uh, which should we talk about? I had totally forgotten that Matt picked her third in this schoolyard pick for the powder yeah. puff game. Like when he when he didn't pick her first, I was like, okay, he's just not going to pick her. Like Riggins is going to pick her or something, and it's going to be that kind of a rivalry. And then he picked some girl that's not even on the show second, and then he picks Julie. Matt, it's baffling. Matt's a Matt's going for best available. It's 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 it was absolutely baffling. Um, he's got to think about his team. Why? Why was Tyra? All, I mean, I, yeah, I guess Julie's the quarterback. I thought they were going to make Tyra the quarterback. I thought she was just going to barrel over some folks. I feel like I was going to say I feel like it would have been perfect if she was also like the. I guess I mean maybe she kind of was, but I was going to say like her playing the Tim Riggins role, which she kind of does. Yeah, um, she was also. Role. I mean, she was on defense a lot. I mean, I think on that last play we see Tyra on the sidelines, right? Where Julie uh, ends up running it for touchdown. And we see Tyra tackling uh, um, tackling Lila full on after Lila, or, or, sorry, after Tyra realizes, uh, you know, Tyra's starting to put it together between Buddy Garrity and, and her mom. I mean, she she has fully put it together, and she takes it out on Lila 
at the at the powder puff game which is but. funny because Tyra's not even on Tim Riggins' team, and Tim Riggins is like actively like, who knows how to chop block here? <laughs> um, and it turns out Matt's got the, the dirtiest player of them all. Uh, who knows how to throw a chop block? And this one girl's like, I can, I can do chop block. It's like, no, you can't. You have no idea, but Tim picks her anyway. Um, I don't even think I, I have no idea how to throw a chop block. No way. Um, I've been chop blocked before. Really? I didn't play football pass. Kindergarten. It's not fun. I can tell you, man. It's not fun. Yeah, yeah. Even as an eighth grader, it's not fun. Yeah, I think the the baseball equivalent of that is getting cleated. Mm, I yeah, I would I wouldn't want that. Yeah, it's not fun. I, I've I've had that happen. Um, but that's not really uh, it's not really what this is about. So um, it's not you, why we're here, folks. Are we ready for fourth down? Fourth down. Fourth down is definitely the most interesting this week. Um, I would I would say. Yeah. Uh, so Coach Mack is, uh, is gets into some hot water with again the uh, the New York press that is going over here to Dylan or the uh, New York esque press that is apparently in Dylan and says some racist stuff. I do think Mack could have gotten out of this, um, but he handled it so poorly afterwards. Yeah, he really just kind of digs, continually digs himself a hole. Um, And obviously, like, you know, part of it, and maybe this is just probably the exaggeration of, like, the dynamic between coaches and media. It just doesn't feel like that interview would happen in the first place between, like, like a high school football OC and... It doesn't feel like that w- that would necessarily happen. She, they're asking very leading questions that Max should have easily been able to get out from under. Yeah, but that's, that's the whole thing about Mac, though, is just because he even says at one point, I, it, it's funny that he mentions this because I don't feel like I heard this much before, I feel like, recent years, but he says, like, you know, the whole PC crowd is, like, you know, out to get me or something yeah. like that. But he... he, he specifically points to the PC crowd. I think that Mac, for, for a guy like Mac, he just doesn't have that filter and he doesn't want to have that filter. Like, yeah. that's just not who he is. But yeah, the, the he he should have, as a longtime football coach, should know how to talk to the media. And it shouldn't, it should definitely not be like that. And yeah. It, uh, he continually digs, I mean, he continually digs himself holes and like, he doesn't make it any better. He did like, and I, the one thing that is interesting that he says is the fact that, you know, an apology is not going to make it go away. And, like, he's, he's not wrong. wrong. Well, I feel like, I, I think he is wrong. This is interesting. We can, we can debate this. I feel like if he, he didn't really go overboard um, in terms of losing the team until, um, I mean, he had the kind of the, the hollow apology on outside of Dylan with the press conference where he just read a prepared statement that didn't really say anything. And then where, you know, where he really loses the team is him yelling at smash in the film room at the end. If he handles those situations better, then I think he can get, he can get away from this original sin of, of, uh, of those comments to the reporters at the beginning of the episode. I guess what I'm mostly getting at, like it's, He's not wrong when he says, like, you know, apologizing isn't going to really fix it. But I think what he's missing is just like, yeah, like, you're not going to 
you're not gonna you know make people any less mad at you like they're eventually not gonna you know they, they but they can begin to forgive you for that if yeah you, you at least show the effort that you want you want to change or at least that you can prove yeah that you're not you're and obviously no one's gonna be like i'm not racist and like you know i'm or yeah. no one, and no one's really gonna say like I'm working toward not being racist. Like no one's gonna say that. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't he think is, he did anything wrong. Is kind of the is the crux of the issue here. He's not willing to admit that he said anything wrong. In like an in, in a sincere way. Yeah, it just Mac has has no kind of a. It's just it's amazing to me that that a guy like that, like in his position, would just be kind of so ignorant to to like what he's yeah what the, the the ideas that he's projecting like how how do you not have the wherewithal to understand like the gravity of what you're saying but yep. i mean it's it's a terrible situation which then kind of begins we get we don't really get a whole lot of tammy but we do get this like public forum yeah between like football players that we've never seen before and students yeah yeah which, i mean tammy what did you think of this? Because, I mean, it, uh, it seemed like it was a mistake. I think Tammy's heart was in the right spot here. Um, but I think tensions were almost too high for, for this sort of discussion. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it would have been maybe better if uh, it wasn't just like... I felt like it was almost too casual. Like, the fact that it was just like, all right, let's open the floor, and, like, we're yeah. all just sitting in this gym together. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't understand that. Tammy just had no way, like, she's not, she's 30 feet away from the crowd because she's on the floor and they're in the stands. She had no way of, like, physically, you know, patrolling this discussion. You know, she could tell you to be quiet, but if... Everyone in there is yelling at each other. Tammy gets drowned out very quickly. There were no other adults in the room. There were, you know, Smash was kind of hiding. There was no other football team leaders. And, you know, it kind of seems like that these tensions had been brewing for a long time, and this, this Mac thing just kind of exploded it. You know, it you know, lit it on fire. Um, and it lit a fire everybody, under everybody to say something. And um, or you know at least for the for the African American community at Dillon to say something, and then we see a few white kids that we've never seen before essentially just roll their eyes, uh, or you know try to interrupt, or you know just do other doing other disrespectful things, and it just becomes this bomb of badness. I mean, you know, there's a more nuanced way to say that, but it just it did not work. I do like we get Waverly back. Cause we have yes, Waverly we got Waverly back. back. Yeah, I wrote that down, yeah. I mean, I, I was wondering why Waverly was back all of a sudden. Um, and she was back to kind of serve this purpose and, and kind of light a fire under smash to, to not just care about football, to, but to care about this from an activism standpoint. Well, not just even an activism standpoint, but just, I, I mean, I do feel like Waverly is just like, of all the, of all the students... I mean, she's clearly very smart and yeah. maybe the the smartest am among the Dylan High students that we do know. But, yeah. I mean, she just – it feels like she does care so much yeah. about justice and equality. And yeah. it, it's good for her to kind of recognize 
even as she knows that she kind of hates that Smash is so egotistical and uses football as a way to prop himself up, but, like, recognizes, like, Smash, like, you have this platform. People will listen to you. Yeah. And the fact that she can inspire him to do that is a great thing. And, um, you know, so, so much is just, like, you know, the fact that Smash does have the respect, I feel like, of his teammates, and it obviously... He organizes somewhat of a, a, a silent protest. Yeah, I guess is what you would call it. And it, but it, it's just such a it's such a cool thing, just how well executed. I think this all kind of works out yeah. for for Waverly because she sees, and we've seen it quite a bit, Spencer, with with this. You know, it the the, the problems and the, or the societal issues that we see play out in this town, and for someone to finally like figure out a way to do something and. The fact that, like, Smash is involved is a pretty great thing, but, like, someone finally is just like, hey, we need to, you know, we need change around here because this small town is pretty toxic, and, you know, obviously I'm not saying everyone's racist, but, I mean, the culture around this football team is is not the best. Well, yeah, we see that with Riggins walks into the Alamo freeze and tells Smash to get his boys together. Yeah, get, get, get your boys to calm down. Yeah. Uh, not the way. And then he, you know, he's, you're a lost, cro- lost cause, Williams. I mean, I don't, I don't really like... This is the third or fourth time they've kind of painted Riggins as this closet racist. Um, I don't like it. I don't know. It seems no, cheap. It seems cheap from just from a writer's direction. Um, it seems like easy... Easy pickings here, low hanging fruit, but that's you know that's kind of what happened. And um, also another thing I want to point out, the and I this may I don't know if it was intentional to show like the culture of the people that are playing in this powder puff game or if it was um, just who they had available in Hollywood in two thousand four and two thousand five. But the powder puff game was essentially all white girls. Like I don't think there were any people of color there. Um, Again, don't know if it was intentional or not, but something that uh, something that noticed I noticed in May. Again, maybe kind of underlining the culture at Dillon in terms of. In, yeah. I mean, I think it was Anton essentially said the same thing. Like we hang out over here, they hang out over there, and that's just kind of the way it is. Um, I don't know. Well, I was gonna say like maybe too deep. The, the one thing that I don't understand is like, isn't the Powderpuff game like mostly cheerleaders? Like, it feels that way. Yeah, cheerleaders and rally girls, right? Yeah, and, like, Tyra and Julie just kind of get lumped in because they, like... They have to. You know, they skipped class. Yeah, Tyra's, uh, Julie's mom, Tammy. Which, it's weird that... It's good like, punishment. It's interesting. She really knew how to how to dig at her daughter. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I know that, like, from... It makes sense on a lot of levels to that be their punishment, but at the same time, it almost feels like a reward. Like not a reward but just like it feels it feels like a fun thing to do just like on the surface like yeah isolated from or separate from those two like it feels like they're getting punished by like hey you're gonna play in this football game that the whole town loves um or not i guess not the whole town although we do get really we don't get a whole lot of landry but my god oh god really Really good stuff from landry he really, in his small amount of time, just steps up so well in this Powerpuff game as the referee. Two really high-level high moments where he's taunting Coach Taylor 
to, to get off my line, and Coach Taylor is just ready to explode, just can't believe that Landry's doing this, just incredibly funny. And then at the end, after Julie scores the game-winning touchdown for Matt's team, Landry walks over right in front of Riggins' face and does the the touchdown sign, you know, the hands-up ref touchdown sign, just right in front of Riggins' face as he walks off and just taunts him the whole way back. It, really, really good stuff from Landry in this episode. It's about time. He, he just, he's so good, man. He's so funny. Um, we do, we get an R word in this episode. We do. Matt Ferris <laughs> Directed at Landry. I don't know if he's quite LVP worthy, but um, there's some low points for Matt Saracen. Yeah, he's not he's not my LVP, but it's he's definitely below the the you know he's below he was below average. Uh, you know he ends up gets dumped by Julie, essentially rightfully. Um, the only good things that happened to him, I guess, were on the field, um, but yeah, not. It's not a perfect, but you know, and then he, he does get to he wins the Powderpuff game and gets to celebrate with Julie, and she seems happy with him by the end of it. But I don't know. All comes full circle. Yeah. Um, I believe that's the end of. Well, we touched on it. The end of the fourth down season episode fifteen ends with after Mac yells at Smash, tells him, you know, I don't want to hear anybody whining about this. Smash organizes this silent protest essentially and all the uh, african-american players walk off the field at the end of the game or at the end of you know this not at the end of the drill you know at the beginning of practice they all walk off very organized and coach taylor's just like oh my gosh this is not going he you can see in his face he just knows it's not going away and he has no idea how he's going to fix it I know it's an NBC show, but man, to be a Dylan Media beat writer, or like a Dylan Panther beat writer, what all the content you could possibly ask for. It's too bad there weren't, you know, like Facebook and Twitter didn't exist in 2005. I don't know how they got this content to the masses. I guess everybody was still watching their local news. Hey, I, I suppose. I, remember? I like, man, there's just so much crazy stuff going on week to week. Like, yeah. Remember like eight weeks ago in the show when Smash went on television to bash Coach Taylor? I do remember that. That was a good, that was a good time. <laughs> I guess it would have been more. It would have been more like twelve weeks ago, you know, at this time. But <laughs> it, it is very odd that Smash goes on TV to to bash Coach Taylor, and then three months later he's putting his livelihood on the line for Smash. I don't know. I mean, part of that is shows character in Coach Taylor. Part of it also is probably just like lazy pacing and just kind of the way that network shows move um and sh- you know tv shows in general have to have to move quickly but uh and drop storylines and then pick them back up and you know stuff like that so um were you surprised that voodoo tatum was the only black quarterback in 40 years at dylan um no just based off of everything that we know about this town no it's uh kind of yeah. telling, I guess. It's 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 not surprising in the least. I mean, the whole like the, it doesn't make it any better that like it kind of ends like pretty poorly with him leaving after two games. Um and just kind of speaks to not to I guess Eric, but I mean, yeah. Well, I think part of it is Eric. I do think that Eric, I mean, 
and this is this is a legitimate take and well, it's not a legitimate take but a legitimate thing i think um is that coach taylor and you'll you'll see this kind of in later seasons and i won't spoil anything for anyone kind of watching the show for the first time as they're listening to this podcast but he is not the best at quarterback management and it's i don't know what it is like there's just times where and he even does this a little bit with matt saracen it's just like i don't exactly get his thought process and we're supposed to be believe that he's kind of this really good quarterback coach because he's the He's the guy that put Lucas Mize, the man-eater, um, in position to be really good and coached, like, was his personal trainer, basically. But as, like, a head coach, like, the way he dealt with the whole voodoo situation, I understand there was a lot of shadiness with the whole recruiting him there and whatnot. But, yeah. I mean, there's got to be some way you can reel that kid in and, like, come to some type of, some yeah. type of agreement. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, to kind of bring a <laughs> – I'm not saying this is any – I'm not trying to relate this to to what that situation was or say it's anything like that, but, I mean, you see this all the time with, like, kind of quarterbacks and college, at the college football level make these business-like decisions, kind of like Jalen Hurts. I'm sure Jalen Hurts isn't huge buddies with Lincoln Riley, but they seem to make it work pretty well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he probably doesn't have a great as good of a relationship with Riley as – like a Baker Mayfield would is what I'm trying to get at. But well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you Baker Mayfield had more time. Um, but I feel like you could make this situation a lot. You can you can make this situation work. I feel like yeah. the fact that it kind of blew up like it did. Like I know that he's maybe there's only so much you can do and with with a kid that's obviously has his own agenda. But you. You've got to be able to come to as a high school, like a head high school football coach at a big program like that. You would think he'd be able to come up with something that could, you know, mend that situation to some extent. Yeah. Um. I think that uh. Well, I mean, we have we have one extra point here that we can do awards. Uh, do we want to talk about this this plot line with Riggins' dad? And I mean, I guess Riggins. Has the speeding ticket. He has to get it signed by his dad, essentially, for some reason that the judge kind of makes up. And then, but I mean, Billy could have easily signed it, and Riggins insists on going to see his dad, and it goes well, and then it goes poorly with his dad essentially refusing to go back to Dylan. It you know doesn't let Tim win this golf game, hurts Tim's feelings, um, and then he shows up at the game anyway, and Billy's like. I need an extra ticket. Like, Tim can do anything to get him an extra ticket. Like, this high school game is sold out. He's literally about to go play. He's literally, like, what, like, yeah, bad, bad football logic there. I mean, Tim has, has no ticket. What is he going to pull? Does he have a ticket in his, his football pants? Um, oh, yeah, let me just go get out of my locker. Yeah, I've got extra tickets. I don't know. It was, I guess they had to have some sort of mechanism to so that Tim knew that his dad was there. But, um I don't know. That it's not again wasn't worth spending a full down on, but was a uh, a decent chunk of these three episodes. So something to talk about. Um, I don't know. Do you have any takes there? I really don't have much to say about it. I mean, Tim's dad is. I mean, he's not a great person, and yeah, you know, he's trying so hard to win this bet <laughs> to kind of not have to go back to Dylan. It's yeah, just, he's not. It's just one of those things where, like, I, I get that it's just supposed to exemplify, like, how much of a, you know, kind of a piece of crap he is. But yeah. I don't know if it necessarily provides a whole lot 
other than maybe like Tim finally has someone that is close to him that he cares a lot about that doesn't always reciprocate it yeah. actually reciprocate it in a way um, and so that's nice but at, at the end of the episode but at the same time it just I don't know I, I, don't, I guess just in the grand scheme of things I don't think he provides a whole lot yeah. this whole father storyline no I, I, this is kind of similar to my criticism of Tyler, Tyler last week I think they just they needed something else for Tim. I mean, Tim in this episode really just has this side plot with his dad, and then he's abducting Matt Saracen at various points. Um, yeah, not not a whole lot to go on there. Um, last thing I want to point out before we get to awards, the play that opens Season 1, Episode 15, Slot Right, 28, Gunsling. I don't want to start any rumors here. Maybe I do. This is the same play that OU ran at the end of the first half in the Rose Bowl where Baker Mayfield caught the touchdown pass. Pitch to the running back. The running back then pitches it back to a receiver who's running a reverse. The receiver passes it to the quarterback who's running a route. If it's, you don't know what play we're talking about, it's been more popularized by the Philadelphia Eagles yeah, than well, the Super Bowl. So I looked at the two plays. That The Philly special is different because Nick Foles actually did not take the snap on that play. Uh, it's more similar to, to the play that OU ran. But it is, it, it's the same concept, essentially. It's the quarterback runs up, you know, either takes a snap and pitches it and runs, or, you know, it's a direct snap to the running back and, the court, and you know, how Nick Foles just kind of leaked out. But, yeah, it's the same concept. If you just, if you look on YouTube, uh, it's called Baker Mayfield Touchdown Catch versus Georgia in 2018 Rose Bowl. Uh, I'm sure there's a few different examples of it. But, um yeah, it's the same play. I mean, it's the same. It's the same design. It's everything. It's the same play. Uh, seems odd to run it um, there. Like it seems like you could have kept that one in your back pocket. Yeah, yeah. Dylan doesn't really have a. Uh, I don't get the. I don't get the sense that Coach Taylor has just this unending bag of trick plays. You know. But they're up twenty-three to ten at that yeah. point, and it's pretty late in the game. It's like, are you just trying to humiliate this team? And it could be a situation where they just need a touchdown. And, like, because I don't know how they're yeah. just, like, maybe, like, point differentials is a tiebreaker in district. Um, well, I mean, you, you, you're going up. A field goal doesn't put you up three possessions. I think, you're, I think you're trying to go up three possessions here. I think you're trying to, just trying to put them away. So. We don't even know who the kicker is for Dylan Panthers. We though. don't. We've, have we've never seen the kicker. Um, or the punter, really. That's why they went for it on fourth and eight. Yeah, probably. Honestly, um, you ready to do awards? Let's hand them out. Who do you got for MVP? It's tough to say. I don't know. Like, I is it crazy that I almost want to say Smash? Um, maybe kind of like a co MVP ship with. Like him and Waverly, like you, like you get what I'm getting at. Yeah, I do. I, I I'm, I'm going with Tyra. Tyra um, has some really good moments. I, I agree with that. Tyra has. You get the monologue. You get her. Uh, you know, with the flat tire thing. You get her getting her mom an interview. You get her. She's. Uh, you know. Sniffs out this whole Buddy and Angela situation. She goes after Lila. She takes Julia under her wing. We get a lot of Tyra, a lot of interesting Tyra in, this, in these two episodes. Um, but I do think there's a case to be made for Smash 
because he does kind of, we get the conclusion of the steroid storyline and he is now into kind of leading this movement. He's, he's finally convinced himself that he's comfortable leading this, this, I don't want, I don't know, is it activism or, you know, how, how you, how you would want to phrase it, but I, I would accept that. Yeah. I just, I feel like Smash is finally using his platform for a good thing. And I mean, I, I love that and like Smash is doing something that's not just for himself. Yeah. Like it's for the whole team. It's for yep. the whole culture. Yep. Um, at, at Dylan. And I appreciate that, I guess quite a bit. And maybe I'm rewarding him for, um, something that was mostly sparked on by Waverly and Waverly deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. It just feels like the fact that Smash is showing development because he, you know, he does, I feel like grow somewhat like, like the, he has this, 100%. Really nice moment with Coach Taylor, yep. like with the kids, um, and like he's he's starting to be more selfless, and 100%. I like that about Smash. Yep, uh, LVP. Um, I was gonna say Tim's dad, but maybe he's not in these episodes quite enough to, yeah. to earn it. Uh, I mean, uh, he does show up to the game, but I, I still it's gotta be Mac, right? Oh yeah. Well, I was gonna, yeah. Sorry, I, it, we said this off pod, and I was, you you were like LVP is obvious, right? And I'm like, uh... and then you were like Mac. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just did it this whole same thing again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got you got to play hear that play out candidly again. Um, <laughs> Listen, it's been an hour and fifteen oh, yeah, minutes, you know. It, it, Mac is horrible. Yeah, I mean it's it's Mac for the racist comments, but it's it's even more so Mac for. The way he handled it and is is probably going to be fired at this point. He does nothing. He provides nothing to that team. He's just literally yeah. like, oh, I should have been the head coach. Yeah. Um, the only the good thing that he's provided is he has a kind of a funny line at the beginning of episode 13 where there's that little bit of a scene where Coach Heather's like, let's listen to Sammy Mead. And, like, they want to listen to some, like, self-help yeah. uh, person. Yeah. And, like, Mac is like, I live by Dr. Q. Um, and it's just kind of a funny like. <laughs> if he lived by Doctor Q, I feel like he would have he'd he'd have more awareness here. I feel like that's a lie. I don't know. I I, I just well I was gonna say like the other thing. It, it's just such a weird thing because it's like it kind of paints like Mac as this kind of progressive like very yeah. like in tune in tune with his emotions. Yeah. And then just like by the way, I'm racist. Yeah. By the way, I've yeah not not a very thoughtful person. I've just been a football coach for the last thirty years, and all I think about is football. Uh, insult of the week. Not a great week for insults of the week. Is it? It's probably about Matt Saracen's dad, right? With Buddy, with what he said earlier about the couldn't sell a life preserver to a drowning man. Yep, I think I think that's got to be it. I don't. Uh, I can't think of anything else. There's not much, really. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's something from Herc we're missing. Yeah. Uh, but there's Matt just flat out calling Landry the R word, but don't want to glorify so that. It's yeah. More of a self, like, uh, not, not a good, not what's a good age thing. the worst. Yeah. Um, Matt Saracen overthinking award, definitely picking Julie third. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with you there. There's not yeah. much debate. Yeah. Uh, monologue of the week. I have tire as flat tire. We have to fix this tire tire now. 
I still tire and tire. I really wish they would have. Couldn't they've had? Couldn't the battery have just died or something? Like, why do we have to do this? Um, uh, no pop culture reference of the week this week. I don't think. Um, I don't know if this was telling of the time, but I appreciate that DMX was featured in um, episode fifteen. Oh yeah, uh, Lord, give me a sign. I don't yeah. know if it's um, a pop necessarily a pop culture reference, but I do like that. Uh, for for all the music, there, there's there's some strange music choices that go yeah. on the show, and I thought that was a great one. Yep. Uh, all right, Joe, we ready to wrap up here? I think I think we're ready to uh, get the team in victory formation and take a knee. Man, what a win! What a win for all of us. <laughs> We've got, uh, I believe we have two more episodes left on this season. Next week, we are going to do episodes 16, 17, and 18. And then the week after that will be the episodes 19, 20, 21, and 22. We're getting close to the to the end of this first season. We're, we're really close. And then we we get to get into season two, and we'll, we'll see if my, my take about the steroid plot being the worst of the entire series holds up. I'm a little nervous about it. <laughs> Old Takes Exposed might I, uh, come after you. I haven't watched season two in a while. Uh, I don't remember. I remember something about murder uh, involving Landry and Tyra. Um, that's all Rings I... Rings a bell? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember the, the yeah, murder the murder that doesn't get acknowledged. If you never watched a show before, you're probably so confused right now. <laughs> yeah. We're joking. So, There's... Just, the, yeah, there's, there's there's a murder, but I don't even feel bad for spoiling that because I, I feel like season two is season two is not really recognized as canon, right? Um, yeah, we we all kind of collectively the the FNL community kind of overlook it. Yeah, try to act like it doesn't exist. I feel like you can't spoil something that's not canon. I'm just I'm gonna throw that out there. All right. Um, yeah, that's gonna wrap us up. Please uh, continue rate, review, subscribe. Really helps us out. Um, we appreciate you guys hanging with us here. Um, and I'll let let Joe. You want to sign off here? Yeah. Uh, like Spencer said, we appreciate you put, making us part of your day. Hope you guys are enjoying it. If it's your first time watching Friday Night Lights, hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we enjoyed the show. Obviously, we made a podcast about it, so we love it quite a bit. Um, but once again, we appreciate you and leaving that review on Apple Podcasts uh, really helps us and you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. So, for Mr. Spencer Davis, my name is Joe Bettner and we'll be back next week to break down, once again, episodes 16 through 18 of season one. Get uh, get that binge on, y'all. Keep watching. It's going to be a fun time. But as always, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose.